If we took Jesus Christ at his word, took it literally, this gospel passage, uh, in the literal manner, it certainly would make my job as a confessor a lot easier. I see somebody limp in and, oh, you went somewhere where you ought not have gone. You got rid of your left leg, huh? Your right hand is gone. Okay, you took something that didn't belong to you. Oh, your nose is gone. You stuck it where it didn't belong. You've been looking at something that you weren't, shouldn't be looking at. What do you have to say for yourself? Oh, you were gossiping too. Jesus is not instructing us to mutilate ourselves, literally. But he is instructing us to take sin so seriously that we would do whatever it takes to avoid it. A few weeks ago, I read an article that uh, I have to admit at first, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Somebody who's trying to, going to try to explain away sin and whatever. And the title of it was something like, Are Catholics Too Fixated on Mortal Sin? And, well, I thought, well, I'll give it a whirl and see, see what kind of uh, heresy perhaps this, this person is going to spew. In fact, it was from the opposite side. The author invited us to look beyond mortal sin. We often ask, and I, I get that question frequently, and especially in our classrooms when I do classroom visits, what's, what's the maximum I can do before I cross into mortal sin? Well, we talk about the three, three things of mortal sin, full, uh, grave matter, something very serious, full of knowledge and full intent. But this author went on, we should be equally concerned about venial sin, the lesser sins, because all sin is an affront, all sin is an offense to God. And Jesus tells us that we should be so concerned that even looking at a woman or even being tempted to take something or, or all those things, it would be better to mutilate ourselves and be, than to be cast into hell. I have to admit, as uh, you know, uh, briefly, I kind of laughed. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. I can't throw anything with my light, left hand. But we should be so serious. Why? When we, so often when we look at the commandments, we see them as a list of rules and regulations. The, the thou, thou shalt and thou, thou shalt nots. We, we see them as, as instructions, and yes, they are instructions, but they're instructions with a purpose. They're not just there to tell us what to do and, and uh, all those things or what not to do, but rather, if we want to remain in relationship, this is what we need to do, and that it's all about the relationship with God, our Creator, God, our Redeemer, and Savior. It's all about that relationship. So if it's about a relationship, then we shouldn't be asking, what's the minimum it's Valentine's Day uh, shortly, so I'll, I'll invite you to uh, think about this. Husbands and wives, if your spouse came to you and said, what's a minimum I need to do in order to show my love to you? How many of you would, would be tempted to seek a divorce immediately? <laughs> we don't talk about minimums when it comes to love, do we? In fact, so often, what's the maximum I can do? What's the most I can do to show my love? And the same should be true for our relationship with God, who is the most important relationship in our life. We shouldn't be asking, what's the minimum? But rather, what's the maximum? A number of years ago, I heard a woman speaking, and this is a woman I've known for a long time. I, I've known her since I was in high school, I think. 
She was sharing about marriage, and she said, you know, we often hear that marriage is 50-50, and she said, I need to tell you that's a lie. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. Because, let's be honest, there's some days where you're not able to give everything that you could give most days, because you simply don't have it. But if you give everything you have that day, and your spouse gives everything they have that day, you will make it. But if you only say, well, I gave my half, the rest is yours, (laughs) you're going to have a horrible relationship. I was honored to have that woman's husband's funeral. I was honored to have, to to get to know them both. They had, even though they had married later in life, later in life involves like 27, but they had 60-some years of marriage together. They were well into their 90s. How beautiful their marriage relationship was because they understood it's not about the minimum, not about that 50%, but it's about the maximum. The same is true for our relationship with God. Instead of asking, well, what's the minimum I have to do? And and so often we might even uh, look at this. I remember as I was teaching, you know, what's the minimum I need to do to remain Catholic? Oh, we were talking about the precepts of the church, following the marriage laws of the church and fasting and abstinence on days, (coughs) um, keeping Holy Sunday and the the, um, solemnities, the holy days of obligation, all those things. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what the minimum is. But you know what? That's the minimum. God calls us to something more. God calls us to something greater. It's not just the minimum. We should not be concerned about the minimum. We should be concerned about the max. What is the most I can do to show my love? God cares about the maximum. And God cares about the minimum, too. In fact, we have it here a few times. Not the smallest letter or the smallest part of the letter will pass away. Or if we're on the way to, uh, to the judge, settle while on the way, or God will hold us accountable until we've paid the last penny. Is this a God who doesn't care about the little sins? No, I think he cares about all of them. To use another analogy, when it comes to sin, yes, mortal sin is that which severs our relationship with God It it causes a death in that relationship, hence called mortal. If you want to imagine, it's like tying ourselves to a boulder where we're not able to walk with the Lord any further. But there's venial sin, these lesser sins that we do. They're like pebbles that we simply pick up and we put in our knapsack. And we keep accumulating them. Yes, one pebble is not going to stop us from walking further with the Lord. Maybe two or four or ten or 20. But there will come a point where there's too many for us to carry. And we will be unable to walk any further because the load will simply be too much. That while it was not an automatic one sin that tied us and bound us, but many, many little ones, the Lord wants us to be freed of all sin, not just the big ones. I, I have to admit it frustrates me when I I hear this, well, my biggest sin is, well, yeah, but God wants to hear the rest of your sins too. 
And so often there might be a fear of, of confessing the fullness or whatever. And I, as a confessor, and I, I don't know of any of my brother priests that would feel any differently, we simply don't care. We want you to be free as much as we want to be free ourselves. We want you to come in, and, and so often, and I, it's kind of gross, but I'll use, use it anyway. Going to confession ought to be like vomiting. You get all the poison out, and there's nothing left. You've confessed it all, and that's great. You know, uh, except for what I was experiencing Christmas Eve, usually with a good vomit, you feel so much better. You get that poison out, oh, you feel so much better. Even though you might be a little woozy or whatever. It's a gross image, but the same should be true for confession. That we come in, we get it all out. And we might be a little embarrassed, we might be a little saddened by the the immensity of our sins, but the focus is never on our sins. The focus ought never to be on our sin, but rather, rather on the relationship that we have with the God who loves us The God who loves us beyond all measure that gives us this life of grace. We hear in that first reading the author of Sirach telling us, if you wish, you can be free from sin. We can live the commandments. He didn't have something that we have. He was looking ahead, anticipating it, but he said already then in the Old Testament that we can live this life of grace. We have that life of grace given to us fully in Christ's death and resurrection. If he said it, that we can have it, how much more should we be living it? Because we have it fully. We have our Lord standing before us today, giving himself to us in this Eucharist, freeing us, calling us to a relationship. I don't know about you, but I want to be so completely free that... that despite whatever heart condition there is or whatever, that, that I can run totally, completely the rest of my life towards him, not even carrying one pebble, being free, not concerned about what's the minimum I, uh, I can have to do in order to show my love, what's the maximum I can do and, and, and still be in a life of grace, you know, you know the, avoiding those mortal sins, but what's the maximum I can do to show my love of God? What's the minimum? that I need to avoid to break that relationship or hurt that relationship with God. That's what the fear of God is all about. It's not about fearing God, but fearing the loss of his love. Knowing in the end, really, there's nothing we can do that will make God love us less, but not wanting to offend that love all the same. Again, I think the author of that article that I read that I referred to was on to something. We need to stop being so obsessed about mortal sin and avoiding it. We should avoid it. Don't get get him or me wrong. But we should be obsessed about getting rid of all sin. Jesus today tells us if we're serious, we would do whatever it takes. Again, don't actually mutilate yourself. But let us cut ourselves off from all that tempts us towards sin, to cut out of our lives all that leads us to a life of bondage, all that prevents us from walking fully confidently to the Lord, knowing that he loves us, forgives us, gives us this life of grace.